It can be a fine line between living a nightmare and a dream of reality. Life hurts. To be frank, sometimes it just plain sucks. But there are always silver linings. We just have to be able to release our control, our heartbreak, our worry, our fear, our confusion, and the pain that can sometimes be too much to bear. Sounds impossible, but you're here still, right? So it can be done. Today's guest, Stephanie Broersma, has sat in the shock of what I've heard most women say would be a non-negotiable if it happened in their lives. But Stephanie strongly stands today to testify that it was not by her own strength that she is currently living fully whole. Even 10 years after the most shocking moment of her life, she can smile, reflect, and feel freedom from what felt like a living hell. Tune in to hear how God used her hell to make her fully well. And know he can truly do the same for you. We are all in pursuit of something more. Wherever, whatever, or whoever your more is, I want to help you get there wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. The Fit and Faith movement was birthed through my own trial and error discovery of mind, body, and soul alignment. Being fit isn't about our physique at all. It's about our wholeness of our heart and the root of our joy. This isn't a fitness podcast. This isn't a quick fix health detox ploy. This isn't confusing religious banter. This is a whole body health check focusing on the heart. This is an opportunity to join me alongside other big dreamers, innovative movers, and lifestyle shakers as we explore and share our messy comeback stories to wholeness. If you're one step away from achieving your idea of something more, tune in for practical, fun, and healthy ways to ignite yourself into even more. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast with me, Tamara Lee. There is no better time than now to get fit. that you're here. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to somebody that I have become a fast friend with, and I am so grateful. Traveled all the way from Washington State, not Florida, if you were on our Instagram <laughs> stories earlier. I was like, oh, our Florida girl's here. No. That's <laughs> totally opposite coast. Um, but we're excited to have you, and I'm so grateful for the friendship that sparked so quickly yes. last year at the She Speaks conference. Um, and we'll tell you more about that as today goes on. But the intent of having her come out was not just to share who she is as a person, to share her testimony, but just to provide encouragement to women and men in marriages and um, people of all walks mm -hmm. to know that there is somebody greater than ourselves that keeps us aligned and um, at peace with everything else that can go on in our lives. Uh, good, bad, ugly, scary, hard, fearful. Um, so Stephanie has quite... The testimony, as do all of us as I'm learning, um, the more authentic that we can become with others, the more real and open they can become with us. Um, and that is, I feel, where true learning and true mm -hmm. relationship and true love are cultivated. So I'm, I'm just excited to have this space as an opportunity to allow people to, to come inside, yes. um, sit at the table, instead of feeling like they're just peering through a window into what people's lives can often look like yeah. on social media. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, thank uh, you. She has a ministry called Reclaimed, and we're going to learn about that throughout today. But uh, I'd love you to, for you just to introduce yourself and, yeah. and kind of talk a little bit about who you are, where you came from, and we'll go from Thanks. there. Yeah, I'm from Linden, Washington, which is not Florida. <laughs> <laughs> not, I don't know where I got that from I know. Still. <laughs> 
Um, so Linden is about two hours north of Seattle. Uh, we are right at the Canadian border. Um, beautiful little Dutch town. Um, grew up in that area all of my life. Um, I've got like generations of family surrounding me, so it's hard to escape family when they're right there. Um, yeah, I grew up in a Christian family, Christian home. Went to church twice every Sunday. Um, Christian schools. And so that's just, that's my, you know, my background. Um, currently, <laughs> uh, married almost 17 years. This wow, May will be 17 awesome. years. Yeah. And we've got four kids. Our youngest, uh, Bailey, she's three. Um, my husband's at home trying to potty train her. So I'm, uh, fingers crossed that maybe it's done before I get home. That's amazing. <laughs> like, love you, babe. Yes. Here's the panties. Yes. Take care of it. So good. That's I have awesome. to say, this is such a rabbit trail. Potty training is the worst part of parenting. You think? Absolutely. Nobody tells you that. No, no, not at all. Especially because you're like, oh, I just got past the baby stage. I get to sleep. Yeah. And you're like, just kidding. Just kidding. Now you get to potty train. Yes. It starts all over. Yeah. Not part not of the ministry. <laughs> could be. Could be. You could That's save probably, some souls. Yeah, just so you know. It's potty probably training a ministry sucks. of its own, right? Potty training for Absolutely. moms. Absolutely. That's <laughs> Support hilarious. group. Yes. Um, yeah, so our youngest is three. And then we have Miriam. She's seven. Um, and Charlie, our only son, he's 11. And then our oldest is 14, Addison. So four kids, married 17 years. We do have a brand new puppy. Oh, yeah. See, now you're potty training too. I know. I don't know. I know. If you Who's the stupid through? one? We did not think this through at all. <laughs> not so much. But this puppy love, it's just, oh, oh it's it so is. wonderful. I love puppy it's, breath, actually, yeah. too. <laughs> I don't feel like she has puppy breath. No. Yeah, but she still poops plenty. So, oh, yes. yeah, there's oh. give and takes, right? It's so true. So I yeah. love, like, even just knowing your family dynamic, I think it would be a cool story to kind of jump into the fact that you are you have biological children, but you also yes. have the adoptive children. Yeah, so share about, do. like, how that experience went and what it's like even now, just relationally. Oh, man, we don't have enough time. I know. <laughs> I'm sure. That's a whole thing. Yeah, so, so we were married for, goodness, I don't even know how long we were married for. This was um, probably 10 years, and um, we were done, like yeah. permanently done. Yeah. Um, Tim went and had the procedure. Like there was no more babies. Yeah. We had two. We had a boy and a girl, one yeah. for each hand, uh, yes. like said, done, I'm right? There. Yeah. I get that. And so um, we didn't, I mean, more kids was not on our radar. Yeah. And Tim read the book by, oh, I want to say it's Kimberly Smith called The Hole in Our Gospel. Okay. And he got done, and he goes, I think we're supposed to adopt a, adopt a baby. Oh, my god! And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, we my We were done. Gosh. Another baby. And from the guy. Yes. Like, that's really interesting. Yeah. And this book was talking about, you know, kids overseas yeah. and in the orphanages. And he was just really, it was pressed on his heart. Like, God kept calling him to adoption. So he spoke this into me. And um, I then read the book. And at a different time, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to feel this calling. Like maybe we are to adopt a, you know, a child. And so my heart was starting to grow to the idea. Mm -hmm. And our church family has a huge adoptive family. So it wasn't like we'd be the only adoptive family in our community. Um, so we kind of, we prayed about it and a little bit more about our testimony. This was about two years after his confession. So I'm going like, are we ready to yeah. bring on more kids? Sure. Like, are, are we crazy? Sure. And so we started pursuing an international adoption. We met with a local social worker and she goes, what about the kids in your own neighborhood? 
And that was convicting because, yeah. you know, you think of adoption, you instantly think, oh, like an, you know, African orphanage. Yeah, of course. And, of oh, course. I got to save this poor yeah. child. Yeah. And at this time was when the um, big earthquake happened in Haiti. Okay. okay. And so we were pursuing a child from, sure. from Haiti. Um, and just door after door was closing until we oh. talked to Joanne, the yeah. social worker. And she goes, you know, think about, you know, in Washington State. Wow. So our hearts instantly changed, yeah. and we started pursuing a private state adoption. Wow. And um, cool story about how we got Miriam's name was um, it was about two months before her birth mom, uh, we were contacted by her, by her birth parents and placed with her situation. Uh, my oldest daughter, Addison, and I were watching the movie uh, The Prince of Egypt. Yeah. And there's a part in the movie where Moses runs from the palace, and he's running away from his family, mm -hmm. and he bumps into his biological brother and sister. Wow. And the whole room went quiet, and I heard God say, this is what your daughter will be. Her name will be Miriam. Wow. And I'm looking at the cartoon figure of Miriam going like, oh my goodness, she's going to have brown eyes, she's going to have brown hair, her name's going to be Miriam. And so I, of course, I talked to Addison, I'm like, did you hear that? She's like, mom, quiet, I'm watching the movie. I'm like... Did you hear that? Like, yeah. Wait, hello? Like, God, God just yeah. spoke. Did yeah. you not hear this? And so, again, I heard God say, this will be your daughter. I'm like, okay. Did you hear that one? You know? And she's like, Shh, quiet, Mom. So I quick checked the meaning of what Miriam um, means in yeah. the Aramaic and Hebrew meaning. And it means longed for and wished for. Wow. And so I immediately called my husband. I was like, I think we're going to have a daughter. And I think her name is supposed to be Miriam. He's like, okay, love it. And then her middle name is after her grandma, wow. uh, my husband's mom, Judith. Yeah. So we um, had no idea. We had no situation. Yeah. You know, our family was not matched with the family yet. Sure. And a month later, we got the call saying a family had chosen us. Uh, we met our birth parents. And... Um, they looked exactly like the cartoon oh Miriam. <laughs> it was just like imagine. totally God in every wow. step of the way. Yeah. So, and all of her biological siblings have M names. Wow. So it was it just, was it was, so yeah, yeah, That's it incredible. was, it was perfect. So, and then for her to know that story as she grows into yes. that, because I knew we were talking about the concept of like how children innately long for that yeah. connection, um, no matter if they have it, if they're with their birth parents or not. And I experienced that in my own family with my sibling. And there's just that yearning to yeah. know whose I am. And for you to gift her with the, the knowledge of I was longed for. And for her to always know yeah. that in her heart. She was chosen. She, yes. She that, was and, chosen. Yeah. And yours. Yeah. And, like, and that's not an easy road. Yes. I'm not no, saying that. Gosh, no. I <laughs> it's know. It's been easy. It's It's been really hard. Yeah. Um, there's days where I feel like I'm the biggest failure as a mom yeah. because I'm not doing her well. Yeah. I'm not doing the trauma well. And we do, we parent out of trauma daily, yeah. daily. But I mean, I, I don't have adoptive children. I actually don't even really know anybody super close that has it other than my godmama, who's amazing, but all of her kids are raised. And so I don't really see it other than the fact that they're grown adults yeah. now in her heart for them. Um, but she tells me stories all the time, but I too feel that way as a mom, that I don't live up to the expectations that I put on myself yeah. or um, even maybe as 
amazing as my mom raised us that I didn't meet those standards or because I'm choosing a different path of like creating and and growing something of my own that I feel like the guilt of the mommy guilt that we all always hear about it's like so real and so very real hard I mean my son I'll leave sometimes and it's bedtime because dad's at work all day and I'm with him and the and Waverly all day and then it's when am I going to get it done there's only certain hours that I can do this and I know I'm called to it and so it makes it really like a, a spirit you know struggle all the time and Seeing your son say, "Why do you always leave?" Yeah. Or can you just stay tonight and cuddle me? And mommy, yeah. put your phone down. How many of yes. us have been told that, right? Yes. In this day and age, when everything is yes. technology driven, he told me that one day. He said, "You don't love me like you love your computer." Oh, ouch! And I about <laughs> died. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm like, dude. I was just with you for 24 hours <laughs> yeah. uninterrupted with no devices whatsoever. Actually, it was 48 hours at the Great Wolf Lodge. I'm like, I didn't pick up my phone yeah. at all unless I was maybe taking a picture. We were submerged in water, so it wasn't very often. <laughs> and my heart, I was just like, man, like I yeah. wish that I could just freeze this moment and later down the road, like share with you all of the many things that I know are going to come of mm-hmm. what I'm putting in now. Um, so know that like, you're going through something completely different, but as moms, we can all so relate with yeah. that like guilt pressure of. Well, I think one thing that I have learned to just repeat in my heart mm-hmm. is when you're having a bad day yeah. and when the trauma surfaces mm-hmm. and when she's hurling insults at me mm-hmm. and when she's saying like, you're the worst mom ever. Yeah. And when she's just the grief yeah. and the loss is speaking and not my daughter speaking, it's mm-hmm. her, the emotion that's, that's talking in that moment, I have to realize that God chose me yeah. to be her mom. Yeah. Like God made all those connections happen for her purpose mm-hmm. and for ours. Like she was meant to be my daughter and I was meant and called to be her mom. Yeah. So even though in the moment, it's quite sucky. Yeah. <laughs> it like, is. I want to quit and yeah. walk out the door. Yeah. I have to remind myself that no... No matter how hard this is, I'm still going to love her. I'm still going to choose her. I'm going to love her no matter what and through whatever situation we have to come with. You know? What an emulation of the way that God loves us. Yeah. Right? I mean, I truly never comprehended the concept of God the Father um, in my entire life because of my own family dynamics, because of what I viewed a man versus a woman for so long. Um, I couldn't comprehend like him looking at me like a sweet little angel of a kid. And cause I wasn't that. <laughs> and I felt unworthy of that type of love. Yeah. And, and since having children, like, wow, the way that you look at them in such adoration, mm-hmm. no matter if they're saying the most hurtful things to you or they're being little punks, like you just yeah. are like, they go to sleep. And they're soundly sleeping there and you're so peaceful. at them and you're like, wow, I love you so yeah. big. I love you so much. And that is a part of the way that I was like comprehending how God loves me for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think I said this previously, but like I know that I was purposed to be their mom first before fully coming into communication, relationship, yeah. contact with God because I, I – wasn't walking it out to the fullest extent. I didn't fully have a relationship with the Lord for my whole life until mm-hmm. I was late twenties. 
and to gather that now, it's amazing. And I'm so yeah. grateful. And I wish I fully comprehended it earlier, but I was really good at putting on like the Christian face. I went to church. I did those things. Um, yeah. uh, not, I didn't grow up in a church, so it was a little bit different than your story, but I walked out what I thought was being a Christian for a really long time. And I often will refer to it as a little C Christian versus a big C Christian. Yes. And there's a lot of little C Christians in the world. And um, I don't think that it's anybody's necessarily fault. You can't like pinpoint one thing or another denominations, church practices, um, how the gospel is being treated or preached. But there's this relationship with God that creates the big C Mm -hmm. Christian. You don't need a church. You don't need a denomination. You don't need anything that is man-made to comprehend that type of love. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm sure as you've unfolded your, your experience and your testimony, I'd love to hear like you, you briefly discussed pre-confession versus post-confession. I'd love for you to share what that means to you and then kind of touch base on, on that topic of, of, how did you see God then and experience God before? And how do you see God now? Okay, so we're going to go into the big story yes. here. Yes. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yes. Uh, so in year seven of our marriage, at this point, um, Addison was probably like four, four and a half, mm-hmm. and Charlie was just over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim had, you know, it little backstory during the pregnancy with Charlie um there's a little bit of a pregnancy scare right at first and so during his pregnancy there was this kind of pulling away from Tim and I Mm -hmm. and it wasn't like I was unhappy in my marriage you just kind of felt a little bit more of a distance Mm -hmm. between the two of us um a little bit less communication he was getting more busy at work um certain things I noticed he wasn't as present for and so um that is the backstory. Now, I wasn't unhappy in my marriage. There's just things that I wish were a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so then April of 2009, Charlie was just over a year, and um, Tim had come home. And the night before, I had found a deleted email that just did not sit right. Mm-hmm. And Tim was made aware of that. But then the next day, he came home and he confessed mm-hmm. um, to what was the um, second hardest moment in my life and that's when he confessed to a 10-year pornography addiction which then led to multiple affairs Mm -hmm. and um, talk about a brick wall (laughs) there I felt so stupid in that moment Mm -hmm. like you would you would think that there would be all these red flags and there was nothing now I can look back and be like oh the deleted computer history like why didn't I notice that but I had no reason to look yeah so if you have no reason to look, why are you searching? Like, my job is not to be an investigator. My job is to be a wife. Yeah. So um, I was hit with this big bombshell. And in this moment of Tim confessing to me, um, he was free because the secret that he held on to for so long was finally off of him. Like, he was free of the chains. The yeah. bondage was gone. The enemy no longer held him captive. Yeah. Um, but it all emptied on my lap. And so that whole burden transferred to me. Mm. And uh, that is the beginning of, of my story. Yeah. And quite honestly, I think that's when my faith became real. Because in yeah. that moment, you know, like I said, I grew up in a Christian home, Christian family. Um, I knew the Bible. Yeah. Like I knew what being a Christian looks like. Yeah. You know, I knew all the steps. 
Um, I knew what to say, when to say it. Mm -hmm. But until you're met with this kind of moment and confession, the only thing that had not betrayed me was God's word. That was the only thing I knew to be true. And so I clung to that like it was my oxygen tank. Like that was was my lifeline. There was nothing else that was going to get me through that. Um, And like I said this morning over breakfast, um, in the moment of confession, you know, the human instinct is to like kill the person yeah. confessing. Yeah, sure. And for some, by the grace of God, yeah. <laughs> I sat there peacefully yeah. and it was just silent tears coming down my cheeks. And I remember looking outside and like the whole room just kind of quieted and just came down into the small little, just felt warm. Um, that was probably the shock starting yeah, to set sure, in. Sure. <laughs> um, and I remember hearing God's audible voice saying it is well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's hard to accept that, okay, God, like this is not well. How are you possibly going to make this a well situation? Because this is hell right now. Right. And this is only a couple seconds into it, but this is hell. And so I clung to those words, and I really don't remember much of what Tim said past that point. But when he got done, um, he fell to the floor and was just weeping for joy because this burden, like I said, the secret that he'd been carrying for so long, our entire existence as a couple, um, dating years and married years, it was finally out. And so he was able to start, you know, living and I'm just picking up pieces too shattered to pick up. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I raised a church the financial guy was the only guy at church. Oh, this gosh. poor guy, I know. <laughs> They're the greatest out of emotions, right? No, he sees oh, this female that's just completely just broken. And he's oh, like, oh, gosh. I'm sure he wanted to just quickly lock the door. But um, he let me in and he found somebody else to come alongside okay. me and met me and helped me process. Yeah. And that... Um, that was such a catalyst for me for healing because it really started the the right thinking, yeah. you know, um, yeah. versus calling somebody and just starting to beat him in the ground. Absolutely. Um, and so I was met with prayer. I was met with open arms. I was met with no judgment. Yeah. Um, Tim confessed really well. He had prepared that confession. And so he had our kids removed from the home. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have that burden of having to like keep his happy face with the kids around. Yeah. So he did confession really well. If yeah. you can have a good way of (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) no to sell yeah but he prepared it in a way so that you know he gave me time to process afterwards yeah um and so later on that night uh we met with I met with our pastor my girlfriend and I did yeah and um I had no idea what I was going to do I had no idea Tim at this time is in our basement taking care of the kids um I had no idea I didn't know like divorce well why would I divorce him but how am I going to stay married to him like I I think I might have to forgive him but I don't know how to do this right um you know you're just like as a female as a fixer yeah as a conflict avoider and a codependent yeah um you want to fix things immediately and so that's kind of how I went into this like okay I'm gonna have to go back to work full time so that I can you know supply income for maybe if I have to move out but then okay, so what about this situation? Like, okay, I'll shuffle this around. Like, I instantly want to fix it. Yeah, And my pastor and his wife are sitting in the living room, and he says, I'm just going to tell you one thing. You need to forgive as you've been forgiven. 
I'm like, how dare you? Yeah. How this dare you tell I mean, me? It's been less than 24 hours. <laughs> yes. And I just stop my feet like a yes. little bit. I want a little bitty party. Oh and uh, he told me that and he, he allowed me just to process. Yeah. But then he said, in order for you to process, you need space. And so um, our pastor, who have become really good friends and mentors, yeah. um, he, he said, I'll go do it for you. Because in my vows, I said, till death do us part, yeah. sickness and in health. But yeah. I never said, oh, and until you cheat on me, then I'm going to ask you to move yeah. out of the home. Like, yeah. that was not part of my yeah. vow. Yeah. And so I really wrestled with this mm-hmm. idea of I need space, and that yeah. means he has to get out of the home. Yeah, I wrestle with that even as you're saying it. I'm like, I don't know about that. But yeah, it was so hard. Yeah. And so he was very willing to go. And so yeah. he um, made the drive across town, yeah. and he said, stay at the house until I I give you the okay. Um, he went to our house and he walked in and Tim was sitting on the couch. He goes, it's time to pack your bags. Wow. And so our pastor helped pack wow. the bag yeah. with Tim. And he said, I'll stay here with the kids until she gets back home. And then he helped him to the door. He walked into the door and sent him away. Mm. And I came home and I came home to my pastor and our kids yeah. sleeping and not yeah. my husband. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So for 10 days, you said? We were separated for 10 days. And so what was that like time? I mean, it's such Ugh. a weird limbo because like you said, you still didn't know what the decision was. Yeah. And it's just a wrestle of yeah. inner emotions. And I can't imagine like you see your husband and your children. So he's with you every day, regardless of where his body yeah. is. Um, he's in your home. He's in your bed. He's in all of these places. Like, and it pisses you oh, off. <laughs> can I say sure. that? Yes, you can. I am sure. You're like wanted to punch yes. the pillow and yes. throw that in the trash and Absolutely. get his clothes out. Yeah, I could imagine all the emotions. But then wrestling with that that one statement, forgive as you've been forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. So that first night, um, once I came home from our pastor's house, meeting with them, my girlfriend stayed with me. My mom was down in Portland. Yeah. This is another backstory. My parents were down in Portland, Oregon, visiting with my sister who was mm. awaiting um, some PET scan results. And so mm. they actually came back clear. So they were celebrating. Yeah. And I just didn't have the heart to call and be like, hey, in the middle of your celebration, guess yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chat yeah, quick. yeah, yeah. And so my mom um, immediately turned back, and she came back home. Yeah. Um, she drove ten hours that day to mm-hmm. Portland, and then right back home, she oh came gosh. came back to rescue me. And so yeah. my girlfriend stayed with me from about nine o'clock to midnight that first night of confession. And in that time period, it was just like Linda, what would you do? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. You just want as much yeah. advice as pro- as possible, yeah. and you're just like trying to take it all in. But the first thing I did after um, coming home was I took a shower. And I had mentioned this earlier as well, but the, um, what the confession did to me emotionally and physically, like I felt so dirty because in my head I had those women's filth on me. I was wearing Tim's sins. I was wearing Tim's lies, the confession, the filth, just the grossness of what a pornography addiction looks like. Um, all of that, it was so weighted and so dirty. Yeah that uh, I got in the shower and I cranked that water up so hot Mm. and I was scrubbing my arms so hard my arms were bleeding because I just could not wash it off enough there was not enough soap to get the confession I'm just like if I take a shower if I just wash this off you know I'll be clean but I felt so dirty so dirty and violated by that confession and so 
Um, that night was really hard. I did not sleep for weeks. I'm sure. I, mean, <laughs> I, I didn't eat imagine. for 10 days. I lost wow. so much weight. Wow. Um, clothes were just like falling off. Yeah. My mom was trying to force me just to have water yeah, and it just made me so something. sick. It was like God put me on a fast Ugh. for a marriage, even though I didn't want to fast for it. Wow. <laughs> That's a really powerful <laughs> process for yeah. it. Yeah. And that, and we were talking about this as well as like what stress, what happens to your body when you're experiencing yeah. stress. So whether I, I, I would love to hear Tim's side of the story one day and to hear like what he was doing for that 10 days. Cause I'm sure it had similar components yeah. of I'm, you don't wrestle with it the same of any confession of any sort. And, and at the same time, your body is like processing it just oh, like yeah. your mind is processing. Here's it. the funny thing is, so he went to his dad's after yeah. our pastor kicked him out, walked him out, and uh, he just showed up at his dad's house. And his dad, you know, obviously when he, when your son shows up with a duffel bag, you know something's going yeah. on. And so yeah. my father-in-law said, do you want a bowl of ice cream? And before he even went into asking questions, they sat and they had wow. a bowl of ice cream together. Talk about the prodigal son. Yes. I'm like, I don't have a feast for you, but let me give you ice yes. cream. Oh yes. And so um, he was there for most most of our separation. Wow. Um, and this is, I don't even know why I did this, but a couple of days into separation, I'm like, he probably has no food to eat there. I need to go get him of food. Course. I went grocery shopping for him. Wow. I bought him food and I showed up during the day when I knew he wasn't going to be there. My father's father-in-law is going, what are you doing? I'm like, I brought him food. I brought him groceries. What are you doing? I'm like, I, I just, I thought he needed yeah. these, you know, have like, it and I don't even know why I look back to that. I'm like, you fool. Like, <laughs> why did you waste food no, like that? Like but the love that yeah. you're like, we're so used to showing yeah. him. You know, when I would sit at the computer and I was like, oh, is he going to email me? Like you, you uh, crave the conversation. You crave that connection. Yeah. And yet in the same moment, yeah. it's so repulsive. Hey, beautiful. Sorry, I know commercials are for cable, but I just couldn't miss this opportunity to share with you about the upcoming epic girls getaway happening this October. It will be a time to reset, reconnect, and redefine yourself. And additionally, to just have some true uninterrupted girl time. I don't know about you, but I want a lot of things. This, however, is something I really need. And I found a lot of my girls do too. So I've put together a three-day, two-night weekend in the Outer Banks for us to retreat and rest. Imagine ocean air, freshly brewed coffee, nutritious meals cooked by somebody else, enough silence to meditate, enough space for movement and exercise, relaxing mud mask by the ocean, beautiful, soulful worship, deep conversations, and ultimate girl time. It seems too good to be true, right? I mean, seriously, I'm ready to go right now, and I so wish we could. But you can register right now. Pop over to www.fitinfaith.co to check out the early bird special that just launched. You deserve this, girlfriend, and we are believing for a supernatural weekend where we take the time to truly invest in ourselves and our wholeness. You won't regret it, and neither will your girlfriends. So be sure to invite them too. When's the last time you had an all-girl sleepover? Remember, grab your room now. Space is limited. But I really, truly can't wait to see you there. Yeah. 
And on the flip side, um, Tim would actually pull into our driveway. This is kind of creepy. Yeah. He would pull into our driveway around midnight, yeah. and he would just turn his truck off, turn the lights off, just to see if there was a light that came on. Because I'm this mom with two young children yeah. in the home, yeah. and I'm doing this on my own. Yeah. And so he's got this burden as she's now a single mom. Right. Like, right. I want to go in and help her, and yet right. I'm not welcomed into the home. Right. And so he, it was this weird, oh this and weird like time of wanting to communicate and, and not wanting to. And, oh, that's um, so tough. And I think it was day three, post-confession. That's, you know, you, you talk about grief yeah. and the different stages of grief. And I was clearly in my angry stage. Yeah. And I remember waking up and my mom's like, how are you doing this morning? And I think yeah. it was like Sunday at this point. And I knew that eventually she would have to go home. Yeah. Um, home being like 15 minutes away. Sure. <laughs> it's not that oh, far away. Man. And uh, <laughs> like right next yeah. door. And um, so I was in my head thinking, I need to learn to do this on my own. I yeah. mean, because I don't know how long this is going to go for. Yeah. I don't know how long we're going to be separated right. for. Right. So I was like, okay, I need to, I need to get prepared. And um, I said, mom, we're going to Target. And she kind of looked at me. Everything. I know Target does. I love Target. It's well, never totally just one thing. lighthearted moment. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I store storm charging. Yeah. You know, Target at this point. And I, in my head, in my very broken, yeah. you know, um, mindset at this point, I had. Um, I had no bra on. Yeah. I had not brushed my hair. I had not. My face was so swollen oh from crying gosh. for so many imagine. days in a row. Yeah. There was no makeup. Yeah. Um, the sweatshirt went all the way down to my fingertips. Yeah. And then it was one of those sweatshirts, like a man sweatshirt that had yeah. like a collar. Yeah. So I had it up. So all you saw was my face yeah. and my fingertips. And I had baggy sweats that probably had lots of the filth food. on them. Like I looked like a mess. I was a, a hot, yeah. yeah, I was a hot yeah. mess. Yeah. I'm like, mom, we're going to Target. <laughs> and she, she questioned me like, are you sure this is okay? I'm like, yep, we're going to Target. We're going. And so, um, she walked about 10 feet behind me <laughs> as I'm just like taking this car through the store. I bought new towels. I bought new bedding. Oh, wow. I bought a new comforter. I yeah. bought new underwear for Tim, like anything, the pornography addiction. Sure. Now, mind you, the affairs did not happen in our home, but anything that addiction had touched yeah. is gone. Yeah. Like, get rid of it. I yeah. do not want it to be in yeah. my home. Yep. Um, and so I bought it all. I was, like, on a mission. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And now I'm so sorry, Mom, for making her have to go through the store with the kids. Yeah. Um, yep. But on the way home from that that shopping trip, I had said to her, like, I'm just craving his touch. And not in a sexual way. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, that physically made me ill, but like just like a hug. Yeah. I just I just want to know, like, yeah. is there hope? I just yeah. want a hug. And it just so happened that the way we had it worked out was that um so Tim would come home at dinner time and he would give the kids dinner, he would put them to bed and then I would come home. So mm-hmm. during that separation, oh, so we had every night he'd gotcha. have like three hours with the kids. Gotcha. Um and so we had come home from Target, and he was in the driveway doing the pass-by. And my mom grabbed him and said, just give her a hug. She wants a hug. That was the ugliest, mm. the hardest, the most emotional, you know, yeah. packed oh, hug that we've think. ever yeah. had. And it wasn't like it was like, this is a hopeful hug. Mm. This is just, I need this. Like, I've been your wife for seven years. We've been together for 10 years. Like, yeah. Yeah. Even though you repulse me, I still crave that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've talked to a lot of women who, they get it. That, yeah. yeah, they get it. I feel it. like 
um, especially with the bond of marriage. And, and while we're talking specifically around this, this concept, I think women and men, whoever is listening, that they can experience this no matter what the depth or surface of yeah. the situation is. Um, I mean, even in loss, if, you're, if you've lost a family member and mm-hmm. you're experiencing that, if you've gone through sickness with your spouse, if, you've, um, if they've handled an abandonment of something in their life, and I'm walking through that now just with some family, and you just feel alone. Yeah. And like that is the whole purpose of why God put Eve into the world. Adam was alone and Mm -hmm. he didn't want him to feel those emotions and those feelings. And that was why he gave him a mate. And so whether, no matter what type of relationship you're in, um, especially when in marriage, because you've exchanged this like deep covenant and then sexual experiences put you into a whole nother level, which is why they say not to have sex before marriage. I wish I learned that lesson. Um, I hope I can teach it to my children because <laughs> holy cow, it just breaks. It yeah. breaks so much if you can't hold on to that. And I went through Bible studies after Bible studies being my little C Christian when I was in youth camp and all of those things. And meanwhile, having sex. And yeah. it's just you lose a piece of yourself every single time. So here you are having already done that with your husband mm-hmm. and then knowing that pieces of him were with other people. Yeah. Uh, like the healing of that, I can only imagine had took, I mean, maybe still takes time. I <laughs> yes. mean, it's been, so how long has yeah. it been since that time? So next week will be 10 years Ugh. that marks um, his confession. 17 years together. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what was like the point where you were like, okay, come home? Um, Okay, so the timing of this is very divine. Yeah. Um, so he confessed on April 2nd. Yeah. Um, ten years later, or ten days later, mm-hmm. was Good Friday. Right. And at this point, I'm just wrestling with God. Like, I don't want to forgive him. He doesn't yeah. deserve my forgiveness. Yeah. So absolutely not. Yeah. You know, and this, um, I had read a book, Hope for the Separated by Gary Chapman. Phenomenal book for anybody who's in this position. Okay. Um, It's not like he lays out, like, if this is the situation, do X, Y, Z. Sure. He just lays out, like, here's what restoration looks like, separation and divorce. And none of those necessarily lead to happiness unless forgiveness is built into the process. Um, Phenomenal book. And so I read that one. like in a matter of a night, because I'm not sleeping, yeah. so I might as well read. Stay up and read. Yes. I like your yes. like your style. Yeah, the couch was my bed for about four weeks, yes. uh. and um, so I, after reading that, I'm just like, well, God, like I want to find healing. Like I want to be healed. This I don't want this to define me. Yeah, you know. And meanwhile, I feel like I had this big target, this big sign that says, oh, I've been betrayed. My husband cheated on me. Yeah, which makes me not enough. It makes me not a good enough wife. It makes me not a good enough mom. Like. Was I not good enough in bed? You know, right. so you put Absolutely. all these, you know, disappointments on yourself and these failed expectations. Yeah. And I'm wrestling with the idea of Good Friday and accepting God's love and God's forgiveness for my sins. Mm. Um, and that's kind of when God said, yeah, but your sins are just as equal as Tim's. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think as humans and as, as just 
believers, we automatically do that. We think that the person who murdered their neighbor is worse off than a little white lie. And God sees sin as equal, but it's a sin consequence. That is the difference. Right. Um, You know, a white lie consequence is going to be far different than somebody, yeah, Yeah. sitting in prison for the rest of their lives. Right, absolutely. Um, And so on that Good Friday, I'm just like, okay, like I want what you, what you are offering me through the cross and through, you know, the crucifixion and the blood, but I'm, I want this, but I still don't want to give him my forgiveness. And so wrestling with that all afternoon and finally I just came to the, to the point where I'm like, okay, God, like fine, like just take it. Um, and so I invited Tim home that night and I told him to to bring the communion elements Mm -hmm. and we shared communion together on that good Friday after the kids had gone to bed. Um, and then I said, I forgive you. Mm. And I was hoping for like, like the hallelujah chorus, you know, like this immediate healing and everything to go right back into place. Um, but I felt worse. I really did. And I think, um, in order for us to find healing, when we say, I forgive you and keeping in mind, forgiveness is not, you don't have to exchange that with the person. I didn't have to tell Tim, I forgive you because forgiveness is vertical. It's, it's exchanging with God saying, I'm going to allow you to take justice over this person. I'm giving you the situation because I want to have healing, like purge me of the toxins so that I can live a holy life. And, um, so in that moment I did, I felt worse and I think it continued. Like I actually fell into a depression, um, for many weeks, just the idea, you know, he came home that night, um, and he's... (laughs) I still stay on the couch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he slept on the floor. Um, he was supposed to stay in the basement. And after he thought I was sleeping, he would come on the floor just in case the kids woke up. And um, that was like that for many weeks after he came home. And it was just one of those things where, you know, I think for me to heal, I had to really look at myself and go, well, what is my why? Right. Why do I feel this way? Right. Um, I met with counselors and you know, you start to realize that you have wounds from your childhood. And in order to find your why, you really have to dig all the way back to figure out what your present is. And if there was 1% of our marriage that failed because of me, I had to own 100% of that 1%. 1%. Yeah, that's so good. And so that took a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd be curious because you've you've mentioned depression. You've mentioned that you weren't eating. Um, The starvation component of of even love and physical touch from the one that was supposed to give it to you here on earth, this special, special bond. How... So I'm, I know it's a journey, but how do you regain your your mind, body, soul, yeah. rejuvenation? Like, what practical things did you do in order to to keep moving forward? Um, so there was three essentials. Okay. So oh, my nice. mom and my go-to girlfriend, yeah. uh, they call me every day yeah. for at least six months. Mm-hmm. And then it was like every other day for that first year. And they would just simply ask me, did you get your essentials done? Uh. And those were physical steps that I had to take every day just to start my day. And it was to slap on some deodorant, yeah. brush the fur off my teeth, yeah. and put a bra on. <laughs> <laughs> and if I got those three things that. done, it was a good, good day. Enough day. Yeah, and sadly, there was a lot, of, a lot of days that even those things were just so much yeah. to handle. Like, I can't even... 
I can't even process like the idea of brushing my teeth and the energy to, you know, put a bra on, mind you, like put my face on. Like I don't have the strength for that. So that was like my starting point. Like God helped me get my three essentials done. Yeah. Um, And they're, I mean, they're pretty basic. Yeah. But very basic. I mean, even I'm just thinking from the state of like postpartum, like how hard that was and that can reach different people is like moms listening in who have struggled in this season and it's sometimes doesn't go away and yeah. you know people just assume that it's right after the baby's born and then <laughs> magically it's their first birthday and everything is amazing yeah. like I experienced postpartum like later and and then when I was going through my own time frame of just like self-identifying who am I oh, I am a mom because mm-hmm. I see these little faces staring back <laughs> at me so I have to own that role. Yes. But I don't want to right now. I'm yeah. exhausted. I'm mentally and physically and emotionally just, yeah. I want to be checked out. So I can understand like from a depression or even overwhelming anxiety components of, I don't want to brush my teeth today. Yeah. And I don't want to put on makeup and I don't want to take a shower and I don't want to get off the couch. But it's just like one who simple are, step. Yeah. One yeah. thing at a time. Eating was probably that one thing for me to say, okay, I need fuel. Yeah. I need hydration. And I, I need started fuel. with Gatorade. Gatorade. Oh yeah, there yes. we go. Get those electrolytes. I did the Gatorade diet for about a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, no, it was hard. You know, and I think too by having, um, we, um, we had daily accountability. So yeah. we had daily mentors checking in with us, wow. um, and that was a key component in our healing because we still have those people in yeah. place. Yeah. Um, and I think not just for the one that has the addiction. Um, for the one that's betrayed, but for the person trying to heal, I needed people to hold me accountability so I didn't get stuck in the muck, you know, to stay stuck in that, that depression or the victim mindset. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I needed people to, to come in and say, you've been, you've been forgiven of your part and he's been forgiven. Right. You know, if you daily remind somebody who hurt you, like you hurt me 10 years ago, you know, like you're not going to make it. And so you have to, when I said, I forgive you, that became a daily discipline. I mean, it was every hour. Sometimes I would text him, be like, I just, I just had to tell you, I forgive you. Um, an email, like I, I forgive you just so I could verbally speak it out because yeah. the moment I would speak it, the enemy had no authority. Mm, good. He had no power yeah. over it. Yeah. So um, our kids have, our older two kids have no idea what they were doing, but we would have dance parties. We would yeah. crank up the worship music yeah. and I would just be like stomping around the yes. house, like get him, get him out of here, yes. you know? That's and they would so join good. in with me yeah. and it was just my way of physically telling yeah. myself and yeah. the enemy, like, you have no grounds here. Yeah. This is my home, oh, my yeah. marriage. Get yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Get There's out. that song. This is how I fight my battles. <laughs> yes. That song, oh, I can groove to that song all day long yeah. because at some point, sometimes, all you have is to lift up your hands. Yeah. There's no words. There's no action. There's no step that you can take in that moment. Yeah other than to just let it go. Yeah. And that's on any end. And, you, and you're speaking to it right now. Like it doesn't matter if you're on the receiving end or the giving end of hurt. Because mm-hmm. hurt comes in so many different oh, yeah. packages. And it's not just a one, 
time deal, no. right? Like you don't just go through one hurt moment in your life. Like it can be daily for some people. Yeah. I mean, I love, and this is going to be a huge shift of gears. So hold on. Um, but the component of like shifting to like your sister yeah. and that, and that experience and like, that's so heavy and yeah. so much hurt. And I love that we were talking about, you know, God doesn't promise that it's a one and done situation. Okay, you're forgiven and that's it. Yes, that's one and done. Yes. Like you are covered and and he's got you. Yeah. But he never says that there's not going to be hurt. He never says there's not going to be pain. It's going to happen. Does he cause it? No. We out of our own free will yes. and then sometimes out of the devil like mm-hmm. bringing on things like what happened to your sister. You know, she's going to have her testimony shared tomorrow. And that just makes me so excited so proud for of you guys. Yeah. Um, so share a little bit about yeah. that. And I don't even know I've gotten her name yet. I need to Tracy. place it on my heart. Tracy. Yes. Okay, Tracy. Yeah. So um, our the confession was in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2007, my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer um, the December. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, four months later, my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 27. And so we're kind of just picking up the pieces for my dad. And mind you, uh, years earlier when I was in sixth grade, he was diagnosed with colon cancer. So cancer was not a foreign word for us. It was a very common phrase. Yeah. It was very, very close to our family. And, um, so he was diagnosed, uh, Tracy was diagnosed, and it was just kind of a shock to us. She was not married. She yeah. had not dated. Yeah. And um, it was immediate that she was diagnosed. A week later, she had a double mastectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then three weeks later, she started chemotherapy. Yeah. And um, we stayed in the mission house down in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's there were so many intimate things. You know, when you have a double mastectomy, you can't really do anything. You got drains coming out of you. Yeah. So we got really close. And yeah. our childhood um, prior to high school, we were semi close. But then through our teenage years, we were very distant. There was a lot of jealousy. There was a lot of um, a lot of tension. We shared a bedroom for seventeen years. Ah, so I think I don't know if that horrible. was like the reason why, but <laughs> part of it. But I had yeah. similar tension with my sister during those years too. Yeah, I, they're just awkward, yeah. weird, strange, yeah. stupid Can't years, her right? Her yeah. boyfriends couldn't talk to yes. me, yeah. and we were just so opposite of yeah. each other. And so we had definitely grown apart. And then when she was diagnosed with cancer, it's it's really I mean that drew us together. Yeah. It was like an immediate thing, and yeah. so. Um, I stayed with her. Addison was two. Um, and we walked this with her for two years and then Tim's confession. And so again, it's not just a one and done thing. You know, I'm dealing with the burden of, of being betrayed. Um, I'm trying to fix my broken marriage, but I'm also trying to fix my sister and my dad who are processing cancer. And so, um, she was diagnosed in 2007. Um, eventually it spread to her sternum and her lungs. Um, and then it went to her, all of her bones, like her pelvic bone, her hip bone, mm. her legs. Um, she eventually lost the ability to do anything physical just because the osteoporosis, which yeah. comes from wow. years of chemo, yeah. um, that really started to affect her. And so yeah. she was a very outdoorsy person. Yeah. Um, and so we had made um, the, the, the sister path. Well, you physically can't go do these things, so I'll do them for you, and then you can come with me. And so that's when I came up with the 50 by 50, which is a state race in every state in the United States by the age of 50. 
Um, just a, an organized road or trail running race. Yes, and so, so cool. tomorrow I get my 11th state. Virginia. I'm super excited. Ooh, that's so um, cool. I didn't yes, know it was on her behalf. That yes. makes it that much more special. Yeah. Do you wear something that like, well, you have your tattoos. I so. have my tattoo, Habakkuk yeah. 319, the pink ribbon. Yep. And then I do have a tank top that I cool. wear that's got the pink ribbon. And that's awesome. on the back, it's, um, she keeps me running and it's oh, my sister's name I and her. Love that her birth date and her heaven date. And so, um, yeah, so she processed cancer. She, she was such a warrior. Like she taught me so much in those 10 years, just, you know, and, and kind of a cool backstory is that before she was diagnosed, she was suicidal. Um, she was cutting herself. Uh, she was, she had an alcoholic problem. Um, her, the depression really took over her life and God didn't bring her cancer as her out but really cancer saved her life and it gave her her purpose in life. She's always wanted to be a missionary and um, this gave her her mission field. Like she was so excited to tell people like every doctor, every nurse, like I want to tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about this person. And uh, so eventually, yeah, it spread to her bones. Um, It then spread to her left eye um, and then it spread to her liver and that's eventually what, yeah. what killed her. So she passed away two years ago, February 17th, mm-hmm. 2017. And, uh, that was so hard. That was so hard. And yet it was such a moment where it was an honor to be present with her mm-hmm. when she took her last breath. Mm-hmm. Um, she was not supposed to die in her home, but she also, had told me I can't die in, in mom and dad's house. Mm-hmm. She never talked about death, and if it was, it was just for a couple of minutes, and then yeah. she would store Keep it away. Right, yeah, right, right, right. Um, And she had only told me her plans for the service. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I really wanted to capture was her voice. I wanted to freeze frame her voice and her laughter and her smile. And so a year before she passed, we came up with this secret mission of filming her testimony and uh, so we, we flew in a, a friend of ours who's a filmmaker and producer, and he came in, and we secretly filmed her testimony. So I've got like four to five hours of her voice of just this extended yeah. testimony. How and, cool uh, for your kids, too, oh, like to have yes. their aunt forevermore. Yeah. And experiencing cancer always seems so scary, like even as an adult. It is. <laughs> it's like so scary. Yes. And, Yet, as children, imagine like there's all this yeah. unknown because they don't even comprehend what that actually. Our kids means. only know they only knew Auntie to be sick, right. you know. Right. So for them, and, it and wasn't the really past. so much a scary thing. Like yeah. there was, and there still is a little bit of fear around doctors. Sure. Um, or if you say like like my son the other day, he had a really bad cough and it would not go away. Yeah. It lasted for a few weeks and. He goes, Mom, I think you need to make a doctor's appointment. I'm like, oh, buddy, it's just seasonal allergies. Like, you'll be fine. He goes, do you think it's lung cancer? I'm like, no, oh, that's horrible. Gosh, he goes, are you sure? I'm like, no, oh, honey, if this is just because yeah. you have a cough does oh. not mean you have lung cancer. But that is our mind frame, sure, right? Like, sure. if you How have a headache, be? you have a brain tumor. And if your stomach mm-hmm. hurts, you got stomach cancer, oh, you know? Because that's what's just been around yeah. us. So for yeah. my son, his entire existence with auntie was around cancer. He wow. hardly missed a single chem- chemotherapy treatment. Wow. He was always there. Wow. 
So both our older two kids were present for her when she wow. passed away. Oh my gosh. They what were an there. Experience. Like, but that's yeah. now, like, just like you said, she's living, she's still living out her testimony oh, she to is. be able to share she this is. video tomorrow at your church, but also through the legacy of your children, yeah. who while she didn't have children, she very much had children. She did. And so it'll be pretty amazing to see how that is cultivated through their testimony yep. and how they're going to change lives with that strength that yeah. so many people don't have. Um, I don't first off have it. I'm walking through such an experience right now um, with someone who has cancer and somebody who just had her double mastectomy mm-hmm. and a dear friend of mine. And it's a scary unknown thing. And all you can do at some point is just, hey, I love you. Yeah. And because I'm not right there with them, what can I do? Um, but it's a hard thing to love someone through. So and it's easier amazing. for the person going through it yeah. than for us, yeah. right? Like it's harder for us because we want to fix it. Yes, yes. You know, part Is of that. that like a, what's your Enneagram? Do you know your Enneagram? I don't. Oh, we got to do this. We're probably I, the same. Yeah, that's all like, <laughs> we must be. We've got the middle child thing yes. going on. We're trying to fix everyone around us. Yes. Older sister, younger brother. So yeah. I, just every time when you're talking, I'm like, wow, we're so connected on yeah. such a heart level. But I agree. I think it it probably is easier for them because they just know, just like you were in that moment where, okay, what do I have to do today to get to tomorrow? What do I have to do today to get to tomorrow? And sometimes that's all we have the strength to is, and just like any addiction Mm -hmm. in the 12 step program, it is, what do they tell you? They tell you, you wake up and you, you promise yourself today, today, I'm not going to drink. Today, I'm not going to ha- look at pornography. T- today, yeah. I'm not going to cheat. Today, I'm not going to lie. Today, whatever your addiction is, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not All of those things, it's one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And the one day becomes one month. And yeah. one month becomes one year. And the one year yeah. becomes one decade. So I'm just like amazed at the fact you guys are a decade in. I know. I often tell brides, the broken brides, like just stay in today. Like don't get caught up in all the plans for tomorrow or, okay, well, if he doesn't do this, then I'm going to have to file for a legal separation or file for this. And if he doesn't choose, you know, redemption, if he doesn't choose repentance, then I'm going to have to go down this room. Like, no, just stay in today. That's all you have to do is just stay in today. You know, God you have to you be that. realistic yeah, and plan out for the future, but you can't get lost in that. Yeah. And I think it could be the exact same way if you're back backpedaling into the past. Yeah. And that's, I mean, honestly, where fear will take over or um, the weight of, of not living up to the expectations that yeah. you didn't meet and uh, the worry of what potentially could happen because of this, because of this decision, because of this decision. And kids don't think that way. No. Kids are like, oh, sorry, on to the next thing. Yeah. And it's just so quick. They just keep yeah. going. They keep going. And it's not about what happened yesterday or the day before. Even if they got in trouble and they got something taken <laughs> away, they're just like, okay, no big deal. I'll go on to the next thing. Yeah. And I like so want that for, for adults to be able to like release and there's only, for me, there was only one way to like fully release my past and it was through baptism. And I was never baptized as a little one. And, um, while my parents would take us to church intermittently and I knew I was prayed over and things like that from different people in my life. When I got baptized, um, I had loved Psalm 139 as, as far as the East is to mm-hmm. the West. So are my transgressions removed from, yeah. from my sin. And I got baptized on the West coast by the person who married us. Um, And I say I, my husband and I both got baptized. And it was 
amazing. It was yeah. just this out of body experience. I just remember like <laughs> actually nastily they were taking a video of the prayer we were praying before okay. we went into right on Coronado in San Diego and I was like dripping <laughs> from my <laughs> nose <laughs> and shaking cuz I shake when I'm super yes. nervous and overwhelmed with emotion and I just remember being like I'm holding these people's hands <laughs> and there's all these onlookers but I'm not worried about all of them but I hadn't snot just dripping uh, from my nose. So I was really excited to go under yes. just to like cl- <laughs> fully cleanse myself. Yes. But fast forward a year later, we actually got baptized again on the East Coast in our home, like almost connected to the same beach that we got married in. And it to some people might have been like, why are they doing that again? Like yeah. they're taking the limelight again. I think that there's a constant need for like that restoration and that yeah. place of like full release because every day we sin and every year there's something new that's uncovered in your, in your marriage, whether it's something that happens or it's something you discover or it's something you grow in, in a beautiful way together. Um, that, that moment specifically because we were alongside Anthony and Morgan who were on podcast one and two, um, to be, we went under at the same time for that one. And the first time we went under separately and not intentionally. It just yeah. was the way that it happened. Um, our relationships with the Lord are our, our individual. We can't, you couldn't, absolutely. you couldn't fall into redemption for your husband. You couldn't no. get him to the place of no. just, you know, get to this space so that you can be free. You can't do that for no. someone. But being baptized alongside your spouse was it's a special moment. Holy cow. We uh, we were baptized in 2014. We flew to Kona where our mentors are oh, the pastor right. that kicked him out of the house. Oh. <laughs> I love that they're still yeah. close. <laughs> so Kim and Ann were present and we debated inviting family or not, yeah. but Kona is just a very special place for us. And so we were um, February 21st, 2014. Oh. We were baptized in the morning. Um, and then later that afternoon in the evening, we renewed our vows and it is something special to share and baptism together, but just to symbolize to each other and with God, you know, it is, you, you just mentioned it. It's so important. I think, you know, in our marriage counseling, it was all about like, you have to come together and just be, you know, you need to have a a united relationship with Christ. And it's totally opposite. Like you need to have an individual foundation. You have to have your own personal vertical relationship with Jesus Christ because if you don't, you can't extend horizontally with yeah, anybody else. So and good. so you have to be your own individual people yeah. and then together yeah. Yeah. make a unified. Yeah. Um, and, and to know because we are imperfect yes. that we don't have the ability, no matter how amazing your husband is, no matter how amazing you are, you can't fully fulfill that person. No, no matter how great you are in this moment of your life. Yeah. I can't make Gary 1,000% happy. My heart is that I would love to do so. I can't even physically give him everything he needs. I can't emotionally, spiritually, none of those things. So to be able to stand on your own two feet in the awareness Mm -hmm. of the love that you have and the exchange, even like you were saying, like, I just needed his touch. Well, physical touch is a love language and very much (laughs) needed. Yes. You also have to be footed in the fact that you are loved because he is loved. Yeah, my identity is here. Yeah, and then to have that extra that's where that love yeah. becomes so special with that other person so I'm so excited that from all of this there's yes. been so much good there and is. so much restoration yeah. and so much re- rejuvenation and you mentioned earlier you said um the words um well versus hell 
Yeah. And like, that's going to be the title today. <laughs> it absolutely is because we go through hell. We do. So often here on earth. Yeah. And my heart breaks for people. The more I comprehend the hells that I've walked through in my life, even as a little baby girl, mm-hmm. not even realizing yeah. at that moment that that was a living hell, but what that hell in that moment did to me thereafter, mm-hmm. I just break for humanity. Yeah, It's part of the reason that I want testimonies like these share that people don't get stuck in those moments of mm-hmm. hell. But that they aspire to. And they to don't be identify well. them. Like that doesn't define who you are. No, no, it doesn't. And it doesn't define that person. No. Either, or that just anything about it. And that is, I, I just, I'm excited to meet Tim. I just want to give him a <laughs> hug because I love that you said after you did all this filming, he was like, You're welcome. And you're like, <laughs> What? He literally said after she filmed all of this information on the things she had learned and how. She teaches through Reclaimed Ministries, yes. which we'll talk about in just a second. She's in a whole day doing it. And at the end, she was just like, you're welcome. Pat himself on the back. And she's like, what are you talking about? Oh, you're welcome for giving you such great content. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know if I should kick you or kiss you. Either way, yes. I love you. Yes, but you we to- have come to the point in our healing and restoration where we can kind of have these little jokes. And yeah. That's just who we are. Like, we yeah. joke with each other all the yeah. time. You know, yeah. we, we do. We laugh a lot. That's amazing. We laugh a lot. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so thankful to have you yes. here. I do want you to talk a bit yes. about what has come of it with what Reclaimed is, how we met at She Speaks, which is yeah. an amazing conference um, by by Lisa Turkhurst and, and Proverbs 31. Right? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, did I say that? Yeah. There's yeah, so many ministries that we follow. Um, and it was, it's an opportunity to talk, um, to learn and share speaking or writing uh, projects that you're doing, as well as just to come into ministry with women. There was 800 other women yeah. and Stephanie, Stephanie and I, we found each other. Yes. And at I, breakfast over yes, coffee, I think it was. It was so yeah. random. And I was like, I came alone. She came alone. Like, <laughs> do you need a table? Yeah, great. And so I think that probably, the, the community is probably yeah. the most amazing component. But Absolutely. I drew so much from that. And Reclaimed was one of the reasons you went. So I'd love yeah. for you to share and see yeah, just in sure. the last year how much growth it's had. Yeah. I'm so excited. So uh, two years after confession, we um, our circle was so small, which is a huge vital component to healing is not to get all the opinions from everybody. Good advice Um, on anything. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We don't need all this. No. Um, And so our circle was so small, but we were asked by our church to share our testimonies uh, with our church body, which is about 1500 people. Um, And so that was terrifying because there was family members in church and friends that had no idea and so the this this idea of like sharing our dirty laundry with the small town community that is very pretty right. and you know doesn't share messes we just sweep them under the rug because we have to keep up our outside appearances um, the whole idea of stepping out and saying like we're failures we failed at this but we overcame let me let me yeah. share that with oh, you yeah. you know oh, yeah. so we um that is really what started the ball rolling with this ministry and um Tim's testimony played, and then three weeks later, uh, my testimony played about forgiveness. Um, the CBN uh, TV station, the 700 Club, yeah. they got a hold of it. They then were like, can we have your testimony? They came out to our house, uh. um, and they had done a two-day session of filming with us, and they've aired that testimony twice now on their station, 
And um, that is really what started Reclaimed. Yeah. Um, from that point on, women started contacting me saying, can we meet for coffee? Yeah. Um, and so for about two years after that, um, I met with women and just kind of encouraged them. I wasn't, I mean, I, I went to beauty school. I'm a hairstylist. I am not a counselor. I have yeah. no, you know, college education for business or any yeah. of that. Yeah. Like I went to beauty school. Yeah. So God uses anybody. Yeah, girl. <laughs> Preach it. I love that. Yes. Yes. Um, don't look too close at my roots because they are bad. Usually <laughs> the lighting's good yes. in here. It's the lighting. So um, I'm just going like, God, what do you want me to do? Like I'm meeting with these women. I'm encouraging them. I'm coming alongside and mentoring them, sharing my story, giving them some advice. Here's some resources locally that you can utilize. Yeah. And then the women turned it on me and said, why haven't you started a support group? Like, there's nothing. My church is not meeting my need. My pastor is saying, I'm the problem. And it's because I'm not having enough sex at home. that the, That's the reason why oh my, my husband gosh. cheated on me. Yeah. Um, my pastor said it's not masturbation. It's not a pornography addiction unless he masturbated in front of the computer. Oh okay. my gracious. We're in the 20th century. There's yeah. multiple Come on, ways. Lesko yes. Series. Watch <laughs> yes. the Levi Lasco series. Yes. And so um, these women are being left with nothing wow. and yeah. they feel alone. Yeah. And now they're feeling betrayed by the church because yeah. the church isn't coming alongside them and helping yeah. them with this. Yeah. And so um, these women are just saying, like, can you write something? Can you start something? And I'm going, like, beauty school. Yeah. <laughs> I, no. I'm not a writer. Yeah. Like, this is not me. And so I kept on being challenged. And eventually I wrote a six-week curriculum um, that then turned into a 12-week curriculum guide, which is your um, Reclaimed Small Group Guide. And so this is the Leader's Guide. Um, this has all the information for a leader who has the experience of betrayal mm -hmm. to lead a small group of women, usually about five to seven women at a time. Mm -hmm. Um to take them through this course and to really work on understanding first off that we can only change ourselves. We can't change other people. Um, but really focusing on the personal healing, focusing on the woman's heart and you know, the hardest person to forgive was myself. Uh, it wasn't Tim, it was me, Wow, you know? And so we dive into the topics of betrayal and triggers and weariness. And we work through topics like forgiveness and how to trust again. And what does hope look like? And what does the first date look like? Whether it's um, in a marriage that's working on restoration, whether it's a separation or whether you're a woman who've, who's gone through divorce. Yeah. Um, these women come into these groups, and it is powerful. Oh it's such gosh. a humbling experience to walk with I'm these women. Sure. Um, and so that is something that has been birthed out of my own experience. And then with that was the Reclaimed 30-Day Devotional, which essentially is a small group just in an extended form. Right. And so you've got um, beautiful all of my intimate details oh, in there. There's really? a lot of the yeah, juicy stuff. Yes, a lot of juicy <laughs> stories in there. Yes. Too. So you've got in there um, parts of my journal. You've got yeah. other women's stories yeah. in there. Wow. So you feel heard. You feel like you're not alone in yeah. this journey. Wow. Um, you've got the devotional. You've got questions that really start to get into the dark places of your heart that yeah. are hard to process but yeah. are necessary yeah. for healing. Yeah. And then scripture verses. You know, yeah, what does so God good. say about this? Yeah. Yeah. And so that is the journey. And over the past, well, since she speaks, yeah, since last July, so um, God has just taken this. And uh, we are now an official 501c3 nonprofit Yay! organization. Yes. Um, 
So that's really exciting. Oh, that's and awesome. we've self-published these books. You can find them on Amazon.com. You can also go to um, reclaimedministry.com and you can find the links there. And uh, we've got small groups across the United States That's happening. So it is awesome. just, again, I just keep on saying it's just so humbling to be That's a part so of. so amazing. And I know based on your journey here and your testimony being shared both this way, but also intimately with some yeah. people locally that we're going to have a small group of this somehow that you guys are going to yes. be welcome to come into. So if you have any questions or any thoughts, um, I might not be the right person to answer it, but I know somebody who is. Um, and so I I'm just, I'm so thankful for you being authentic and open and, and sharing all the hard moments. And I think the biggest thing is that the, the comment about the 1%, like that will literally never leave me. I think that that's one of the most brave things to recognize that we all pour in to problems. Yeah no matter which side of the story you're on. And there's three sides to every story. Yes. And so I'm grateful to, to just get to know you today and share you with the, oh, with the Fit and Faith podcast world. And I'm so excited for what God's going to do. Me too. As this continues to grow because it is such a need and such a it void. Is. And I'm ready for people to just be fully well. I mean, mm-hmm. that's literally my, my whole heart for yeah. what I do. So we all deserve the chance to be whole, right? Yeah, we really do. Absolutely. Boom. That's a good ending. (laughs) Thank you so much, Facebook. Instagram cut off a while ago. So (laughs) thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions, um, definitely direct message us. We're excited um, that you jumped on today on this beautiful Saturday in Virginia Beach. And we will uh, be back soon. See ya. Hey, y'all. I hope in today's episode, you sense an ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your wholeness journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at Fit and Faith with the hashtag Fit and Faith Podcast so I can help you stay accountable. We're in this together, right? community over competition is the motto. I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. Let's fuel the flame and share the gift of wholeness with everybody. Until next time, cheers to your health and happiness. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcasts. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.